0: What is one of the biggest myths you find that people believe about wellness? There's a common misconception that time heals all wounds, but it doesn't really. We may successfully ignore them and become numb to them, but if we don't work progressively and consistently on our healing, our grief will inevitably manifest in one form or another, and often in very inconvenient ways.
1: Welcome to another episode of Write of Your Life, where life happens and life storytelling transforms it. Our show is brought to you by Lifestorytelling.com. And guess what? You don't have to be a writer to write your life stories. Lifestorytelling.com will teach you how. If you've been through hell and lived to tell about it, or your family skeletons are poking out of the closet, you'll want to check it out at Lifestorytelling.com. We're thrilled to have Kim Saeed on the show today. Kim is an empowerment blogger, a no-contact coach, a relationship and self-esteem coach, a best-selling author, healing facilitator, and radio guest expert. Her areas of expertise include helping survivors of narcissistic and emotional abuse to detach and begin their journey of recovery. She has inspired people worldwide by helping them leave their own unhealthy relationships overcome their limiting beliefs, and empowering them to rise above their destructive patterns so they can live the joyful lives they deserve. Kim, I'm glad you're here. Welcome.
0: Well, thank you, Stacy. I'm really honored to be on your podcast today. So you have a
1: fabulous background. I'm really excited to dig into this. Like we said, your expertise is helping survivors of narcissistic and emotional abuse to detach. I'm sure that you have a story behind that. Tell us a little bit about your story and then where you are now.
0: Be glad to do that. I was with a narcissistic individual for about 8 years. And we do share a son together. My big thing is going no contact. I'm a no contact coach. And that's what I write about. And my big catchphrase is life begins after no contact. When I first left my ex... I didn't really know anything about narcissism or the need to go no contact or even that no contact was a method. Let's stop right there.
1: Can you explain what no contact is and why that's necessary?
0: Okay, sure. Well, no contact is basically a blocking of the other person, the the abusive person, whether they're narcissistic or psychopath or what have you. I really don't get into labels a whole lot anymore because I think... It may be important to know for just research purposes, but ultimately it doesn't really matter. No contact is just actions that you would have to take to completely block the other person from being able to get in touch with you, and it's really a a very difficult thing to do. It's a very personal, very emotional thing to do, and and, and honestly, it's like getting over an addiction. It's very similar to rehab or withdrawal from an addictive substance like alcohol or drugs right you know because aside from the emotional dynamics that are involved there are very real biochemical addictions that go on very much like gambling and again drugs alcohol or shopping anything that Causes these neurochemicals to be secreted in our brains. And so we do develop a, an addiction to the drama, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So no contact is so important because unless you cease interacting with the abusive individual completely, there's really no way to heal. And that's why it's so hard for people who do share children with these abusive individuals because. We have to engage in this modified contact because we share custody. We have to have communication with that person. Right. Sadly, a lot of people don't really understand what they really need to do in these shared custody situations. But just generally, no contact is completely just blocking that person out of your life. If you don't have shared custody or you don't work with that person, you really have to go 100% no contact. Exactly. Any tiny interaction can set you back tremendously. Right.
1: Right. Okay. Keep going with your story. I just wanted to make sure that folks knew exactly what no contact was. And we'll probably get into that a little bit later as well. Okay.
0: I left my ex and moved into my own apartment during one of his silent treatments. And I didn't know at the time that that's what it was called, but Mm -hmm. that's what happened. And it took me a long time to actually detach from him because I was still leaving my phone open for him to call and he was still coming by, although I never let him in to my apartment. So it took me a lot longer. Unfortunately, my life really took a big downward spiral. I was just an emotional basket case. And I was just literally having a breakdown. That was really my rock bottom because I had just moved into an apartment. I had children to care for. I didn't know how I was going to make it. Mm. And that was really the beginning of my, I guess, my Phoenix process. And so just through a lot of self-healing, I started my blog and that just kind of all progressed and evolved into where I am today.
1: Wow. And now you help other folks in that arena to have their own Phoenix stories, correct?
0: That's my goal. And again, it is a very difficult process. And I do have a a very good success rate with my clients. But there there are others, sadly, who just you have to be really ready for that. You have to be ready to let go of the person. You have to be ready to completely change whatever needs to be changed. Some people are very reluctant to lead their lifestyles, even though they're suffering greatly maybe they have a house with this person and they think they're creating a better environment for their kids by staying there. But really it's just the opposite.
1: Right. Uh, Yeah. The problem is with a lot of us, we think there's still hope or we don't want to give up hope when really that's just an illusion,
0: right? It definitely is an illusion. And I'm really glad you brought that up. When we were little, we weren't taught to love ourselves. We weren't taught to have boundaries other than, oh, if a guy hits you, you need to just get rid of him. But it wasn't really focused on us as individuals. And that's not our parents or caregivers' fault. They just, that's how they were raised. They didn't know.
1: And it sneaks up on you because you're like, well, was that bad enough to make that cut? I can take that. Or it's just how bad is bad enough?
0: Right. And that comes from, again, it's just social conditioning, religious conditioning. If you believe in God, if you want to be forgiven, you have to forgive others and turn the other Mm -hmm. cheek. And if you want to be a good wife, you you have to do this. And that was really just sadly, a lot of that was ignorance-based. Right. As you said, it was just an illusion. So we have to get to a point where now, luckily, we know, well, if someone's treating you that way. You have the right to leave.
1: Right. Tell me a little bit about that healing process and how writing about what's happened in your life helps you through that.
0: When I first started my blog, it was actually geared towards new entrepreneurs And I did that Hmm. for about six months. And it it actually performed rather well, considering that I was new. But I just kept feeling this pull to tell my story. And at that particular time, there weren't all the hundreds of thousands of sites out there on narcissists. Right. I didn't really expect it to take off like it did. I, I kind of started it as a hobby. But anyway, about six months into it, I completely did an overhaul on my site and decided to write about my experiences and people just started writing in, leaving comments. So that helped me, number one, to know that I wasn't alone. Other people were also suffering through that and it helped me. It was kind of an evolution because I did then turn my focus from kind of just writing about my own experiences to, okay, well, there are other people out there suffering and how can i help them because at that point i was completely detached from my ex and i was feeling better about my life and i thought i wanted to share this with people so as i healed and did more research and did more writing it helped me grow uh, spiritually and as an individual and it's helped other people too i mean i get You know, emails and comments all the time about how my writing has helped, how my book has helped. And it's uh, just so awe-inspiring. And it just instills me with such gratitude and just helps me realize, well, this is my true purpose. This is what I'm supposed to be doing.
1: And there's a huge need for what you're doing out there. It's amazing that people you would never imagine have great lives, or at least on the surface, but underneath it's turmoil and issues that they need your information for. Tell me a little bit about your book.
0: Well, my book is called... How to Do No Contact Like a Boss, and basically it takes the reader from how to go no contact, how to prepare for it, what to expect, and go a little bit into modified contact for those that, that share children with their ex. Or maybe they are still together with them, but they're looking, thinking about leaving. Right. And then I also have some resources at the back of the book just to help.
1: When you first started blogging about your situation, did you start initially just journaling by yourself and then put it online, or did you just start? online and second of all was that scary for you putting yourself out there and putting all the trials and tribulations and the scary details out online it
0: was i started keeping diaries back maybe around 2004 2005 Mm -hmm. because i knew i wanted to be a writer and i'd read somewhere back then that true writers journal every day and so i got into the habit of journaling But then, sadly, I found that all I was writing about was my abuse. And I lived with my ex in his family home. He had another family member there. And I was basically tag teamed. It was an Mm. awful, horrific experience. And so when I started my blog, again, it wasn't really for that purpose. But when I changed it, I just... It was more of an online diary and it just, again, it just evolved and it helped me to kind of dig up some repressed um, memories and repressed emotions. It helps me work out my regret that I had about not seeing my grandparents before they died. I was just so enmeshed with my ex and I went through this long period of self-loathing because I allowed him to oppress my life and I missed out a very valuable time with them. So the writing was just cathartic and healing and it just grew from that. I like that because I
1: found when I started writing what was happening each week or sometimes daily, it helped me remember what was happening and clarify because when you're in a situation with someone who's abusing you or a narcissist or sociopath or anything like that, sometimes you start doubting yourself. Did that really happen or did it not? Did I really hear that or see that? And writing it down helps and you can look back and say, yes, Tuesday. I wrote this, this is what happened. That helped me keep my
0: sanity. And it probably helped you as well. (laughs) It did. And you know, another, I guess, important reason to do that is because we do tend to forget those traumatic experiences, our psyches, a lot of times just can't process those events and they get stored in our brains or our memories exactly as they happen. It's not like at work you might have a conflict with a co-worker, and you guys get together and you work it out, and then you no longer feel resentment towards that person, and sometimes a good friendship might form. But with these traumatic experiences, we don't have anything to connect those experiences to, and so our brains literally just Sometimes just block them out. So that's another reason it's important to record those events. Because as you said, you look back through there and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even remember that happening. Yes, Mm -hmm. this is abuse.
1: And then when you're in it at the time, you're like, is this bad enough? And one of the things that going to a counselor really helped me with was clarifying, okay, take a look at what you just told me. If a friend told you that, would you say that's acceptable? And when you're in something like that, you just can't see that clearly, but writing it down helps you see it clearly. This person did that on this day. I wouldn't allow my sister to do that. I would say, hey, sis, get out of there. And yet I wasn't on my own. So it just clearly outlines exactly what's happening and puts it in concrete terms.
0: Exactly. You know, Stacy. I came across some very disturbing information recently. In this regard, you're talking about writing these events down as they occur. Not only writing down the events, but trying to write down how it made us feel. A lot of people don't realize this. Trauma And that's what it is emotional trauma. It's a psychic injury that over time can actually shrink. One's hippocampus, which is in charge of our short and long-term memory. So that's another reason that we tend to forget these things. Yes, it's very scary. Wow. Huh. I did not realize that. Of course, when we're coming out of these relationships and we're feeling so forgetful, I, I don't even know where to start. I don't even remember half the stuff he did or said. Part of that could be that hippocampi is shrunken from just long-term abuse and drama. There are very real reasons, aside from the emotional ones, for us to leave these people because they are very detrimental to our well-being. In fact, I was just watching a video the other day. Uh, Sandra Brown wrote Women Who Love Psychopaths. She said that psychopathy is actually our number one health risk right now. It costs 10 times more than depression as far as insurance money. And that's one of my goals going into the new year is to create some public education campaigns. So let's kind of
1: list a few things that if. Someone is in a relationship and they're listening to this. What would be some of the signs that they're not in a a healthy relationship?
0: I'm glad you asked that. There is so much out there on people wanting to know, is my partner a narcissist? Mm -hmm. These are the things that he or she is doing that prove there are all these checklists out there. Okay, well, they meet all this criteria. But an even more accurate indicator is how we feel. What are our symptoms? It's called narcissistic abuse syndrome, Mm -hmm. and there are many of them, but I'll just kind of throw out some of the most common ones, and those are isolation from friends and family, either because your partner wanted that or over time you just got so embarrassed about it, you wanted to hide the abuse Um, And that's what they want, because then you don't have any support system. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to know, am I the crazy one? Well, no, (laughs) it's not that we're (laughs) crazy, but we do feel that way. Uh, from all the gaslighting and the blame shifting and the name calling and all these narcissistic projections they want us to believe that we're guilty of the same relationship crimes as they are all these awful things that they're just doing anyway because they're low of character and they want us to feel the same way it's crazy because yeah you do feel crazy In fact, it changes us so fundamentally that, sadly, there are women out there being diagnosed with bipolar disorder or borderline when really what's happening is they're suffering from complex trauma. Mm -hmm. And one thing to do is, well, was I like this before I met this person?
1: Oh, that's a great question.
0: Yeah. And if you have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder or something similar, Go get a second opinion, especially if you weren't like that before. This is a very big sign of emotional trauma and mm-hmm. you know PTSD symptoms, which would be recurring and intrusive thoughts, flashbacks, nightmares. You know, some people fear going out because they don't want to run into their ex or feeling like I know this person is not treating me well, but I just feel like I can't leave. Those right. are all fabricated through those emotions are fabricated by the narcissistic individual. That's how they want us to feel because that's how they keep us hooked.
1: Exactly. Give us a definition of gaslighting because it's very common, but not a lot of people understand exactly what that is. And and you hear gaslighting, but when you say the definition, a lot of people are going to go, ah, that's exactly what's happening. So tell us what that gaslighting is.
0: Gaslighting is things that the narcissist does and says to make you doubt your perception and lose faith in yourself and your ability to make intelligent choices and decisions and just doubt yourself in general. There are so many things that can happen. I guess the most common one would be something like When you go to that person and say, well, you said this to me and I didn't appreciate it. That was very demeaning. What are you talking about? I never said that. A lot of this is very intentional, like maybe a doctor called to remind the victim of a doctor's appointment and the narcissist answered the phone. It just doesn't tell, Mm -hmm. you know, the victim. And so she's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe, you know, when she gets that follow up phone call, he or she then, you know, so it's just little strategic little things. They might even say things like, oh, I wish I could record this conversation, which further makes you think maybe I am going crazy. Maybe I did say that or maybe I didn't say that. And right. Moving things around, hiding keys, hiding driver's licenses.
1: Yes. All of that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: all of that happened to me that was like because life is so busy probably
1: you have forgotten some things or probably so it's entirely possible that you didn't really say that or you thought you did and you didn't and so they really play on that to make you doubt yourself which is really crazy so if this has struck a chord with someone who is listening what would you recommend some of their first steps be
0: first steps would be Again, maybe writing these things out because you want to be your own advocate. Because a lot of times we can't talk to friends and family, or we get to a point where we can't because it's, it becomes obvious they don't understand. They don't know why we're still there. And the other
1: person is probably charming them as well. Mm-hmm. So making your friends and family
0: doubt you. That happens. At, you know, all so the it's time. a whole vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And that's partly the smear campaign planning. You have to plan, especially if you're living with that person. You know, you might not be able to pack up and leave that day, but you have to start planning. It's not something that is often done just in one day. You've got to get your documents together, any heirlooms, any sort of important things that you would want to have that you don't want to have to go back and ask that person for. Um, Or if they leave you because that happens too, or they'll just stomp off and stay gone for a few days or weeks. Pack their stuff up, Mm -hmm. ship it off, donate it, do whatever, because they'll leave their stuff forever and ever. Amen. Because that gives them an excuse to call or to come back. To
1: come back. Yeah. So it
0: takes a lot of careful planning. But with that being said, you want to go ahead and plan and implement that no contact as soon as possible.
1: And that leads us to you have a free giveaway. That's a 30 day no contact calendar. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, I just put that together. It's really more of a visual sort of cheerleader because having that visual checklist and progress is often very helpful okay i made it through day one yay i made it through day two that can be very motivational for a lot of people and i've also got not only the little daily tips on there but sometimes you'll see a link to a healing resource or a guided meditation or a book that i recommend that all helped me personally and have helped other people get through their first 30 days of no contact. Because really, the first 30 to 60 days really are the worst because that's when we're trying to get over the biochemical addictions. It takes extreme discipline. So just having that little calendar there is just something to kind of make it a little fun and, again, yeah, just to check off the days and right. talk about, oh, yeah, you made it through your first week. You need to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really a
1: neat calendar. And being a former victim of one of these type of people, it's easy to go back and think, maybe we'll work this out or Mm. spend so much time trying to do that. And then it all falls apart. If you can just do this no contact for 30 days, you will be so much further ahead. That's
0: absolutely correct.
1: Well, Kim, thank you so much for bringing this fabulous information to us. And we'll link to your website in the show notes. Tell us Where is the best place for folks to connect with you at?
0: Probably Facebook. That's where I have the largest amount of followers. I do have Twitter and Instagram and all that, but it's just me. So I don't get a chance to make the rounds everywhere. So Facebook is really the best way. Or on my website, they can leave a comment or um, contact me. There's a contact form on there. Those are probably the two best ways to get in touch
1: and we're excited about plans that you have to branch out and spread awareness with some public education campaigns and we are excited for
0: what the new year has for you well thank you stacy and thank you again for having me on your podcast it's been a real pleasure
1: great information from kim saeed At the end of each episode, I peek into the Life Story Toolkit and share information on one particular tool that you might consider using if you're writing or would like to start writing about your life. The Life Story Toolkit is sponsored by Lifestorytelling.com, where you can find your life theme, discover where to start writing, and craft your life into a compelling story. This episode's Life Story Toolkit features Dragon Naturally Speaking, This is a voice recognition software that can help make you more productive. When you're writing about your life, sometimes writing longhand or typing slowly can get in the way. Your story just comes tumbling out and you need to capture it. Dragon makes it much easier to get those words out of your head and onto the page by just telling your story out loud, essentially dictating it. Then you can craft it into a masterpiece. Dragon sells for around $79 to $99 for the home edition and it can be found at nuance.com and we'll have the direct links in the show notes. That's all we have for today. Last episode, Tom Ostesek discussed improving his golf game and his mental game through writing. So if you'd like to up your game, you might want to go back and have a listen. Next week, we're going to do something a bit different. I'm having America's Crisis Coach, Phaedra Kenig, interview me. You've heard parts of my story in the podcast so far, but Phaedra pulls out the whole tale and makes sense of it. Be sure to check out the show notes on every single episode. We have free resource downloads not mentioned in the show at writeofyourlife.com. We love interacting with our listeners on social media. We're on Pinterest, Facebook, and just about anywhere you can hold a great virtual conversation. Our handle is Right of Your Life. Some of our listeners like supporting the arts. If you do too and want to support this podcast, you can do so by sharing each episode on your social networks. And you can head over to our special page at patreon.com slash write of your life and become a patron. That's P-A-T. R-E-O-N dot com slash right of your life. Both of these help us reach many more people who could benefit from writing about their lives. We hope that today you have the right of your life.